We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. It is very good to be back. Since I last recorded, uh, Anthony Davis signed his extension. Pau Gasol took his rightful place in the Hall of Fame, and that was amazing. There are hurricanes and earthquakes in Los Angeles, um, and Austin Reeves is hooping guys at uh, Team USA. I know you guys talked a little bit about him while I was out, but I did want to start there, man. Like, I love that Austin is getting this experience. I love that he's building this chemistry with all these guys around the league, getting that message that, yeah, not only do you belong here, but you're one of the best guys on the team. I don't know. I've been geeking out about that. But just in general, guys, it's good to see you. Good to see your faces. I'm excited about a new season. It was really nice to kind of sit with the team, Mike, and and uh, think even digesting last season a little bit, but also looking forward to this year. And um, I'm excited about it. I think it's a different style of team than we've had the last couple of seasons. And so I just can't wait to cover this team with you guys. And how you been? Well, Pete, it's it's great to have you back. I'm glad that you got a brief recharge uh, as as now you commit your life to following Lakers basketball um, for 300 days or whatever it's going to end up being. <laughs> yeah, um, hopefully. And yeah, the the thing that I've been thinking about is is watching the same thing, like with watching Austin and Team USA. And we texted about this a little bit, but as we get more information about Austin, and a lot of the information came in the postseason, but this is now more information, right? Oh yeah, he definitely can hang with the best players on Team USA. Wait, Steve Kerr already has him in his crunch time lineups. In this case, last game sitting Jalen Brunson, sitting some other players, and then all of a sudden it's it's he and Halliburton that are in, and you almost can rethink well oh okay the run that they went on starting in february but really increasing in march and into april the thing that changed probably the most was that austin's role was increased he was getting mm-hmm. the ball more he was playing more minutes he was going to the free throw line more yes the acquisitions at the deadline helped a lot uh, in terms of the roster yes ad was the best player you know yes eventually lebron added to that but darius that was the it's like as we get more information it makes the equation you can kind of solve it from from the back way um, I, I think. And what does that mean for the Lakers going into this season, right, with this version of Austin Reeves that is obviously real? And I think that's that's an exciting development that we knew about and talked about, but is getting more context now. Yes. Yeah, so well, first off, I second you in welcoming 
peep back. I'm I'm sure Laker Film Room podcast listeners were uh, tiring, Mike, of just you and me bantering back and forth. We'll have to get his two cents on schedule stuff. If he even took the time out of his vacation to, oh, to listen to our rambling about the schedule release. But I, too, have been invested in Austin Reeves. And Mike, I think it's a good point that you make about what the big changes were with the team. I think that it's very easy to look at the acquisitions starting with Rui even and, and then on through with D'Lo and and with Vando and then even the subtractions, right? I know that Russ had a big bullseye on him and that a lot of people look at, oh, well, all they had to do was lose Russell Westbrook. And to a certain extent, though, and I'm not putting this on on Russ at all, Pete, it was a little bit true because there was simply too much usage. Yeah. Like on the team. And Russ has traditionally been like a 30 usage player. And, and even though he was not that with the Lakers, his role is sort of like, this is your mm-hmm. unit and you get to control the ball. And like this was the role that was set up for Russ. I think it naturally took away from what would be growth opportunities for Austin. Mm-hmm. A- and once Austin started to get those chances, the team did start to blossom into something different. And, mm-hmm. and again, that's not a detriment to Russ as much as it is as much as it is a compliment to to Austin and the way that his skill set seems to naturally pair with players who are good. Like some guys are going to be great regardless. And, and I think that Austin has a chance based off what his skill set is to be the type of guy that will be a 16 to 20 point scorer in the league, regardless of sort of what his surrounding sure. cast is. But he can easily be that when playing next to guys who command a lot of attention. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's thriving on Team USA is like he's got a bunch of guys next to a man who know when to cut. They know when to get him the ball. They are drawing offensive or they are drawing attention to themselves defensively so that then it's like driving kick or skip pass to Austin. And he's like shooting these wide open jumpers and attacking closeouts. And it's just like, this is his natural state. And then doing all of the on-ball work that he's clearly like able to absorb some. And so it's just been fantastic to sort of watch him cook. The on-ball stuff is really one of the things that stands out a ton, just because you can only have one guy that has the ball primarily to, to start a possession. And Austin joined us in this era where we just had a ton of guards and guards who had more cachet within the league, right? Like he comes in as an undrafted rookie. And so there were basically several guys ahead of him that would get the ball before he would. But I would remember he would get the ball like once or twice a game in an on-ball situation. And like half the time he was like, wow, did you see that play? Like the way he's done this a couple times with Team USA where he's had a screen going middle and he's rejected it and he's had guys, you know, touching earth because he crossed him over so badly. And, you know, he can pull up for the jumper off of that. He can get all the way to the rim. He can drive and dish. Um, but that increase in usage it, it has changed the team, the Lakers, I mean, obviously since the trade deadline. And it's cool to see it within the context of Team USA where – he is like half shooting guard, half point guard type of guy. Actually, it's probably 75-25 shooting guard. But that on-ball ability, Mike, that that to me is the big difference. And I think that when you start to think about this Lakers team coming up, and I've, I've been struck uh, over the course of the break thinking about our pods and whatnot, 
you know, the last couple of months before I left and how little we've talked about LeBron and AD in terms of their importance, in terms of the team coming up. I think Austin kind of helps slot them in ways that if he can be an on-ball player, that to me is one of the great questions going into the this Lakers season that we're getting some of these answers to with Team USA is that if Austin has that degree of point in him, especially against drop coverages, that's when he can really be productive is against uh, against drop coverages. If he can do that and then transition Mike back over, he's hitting threes where he's catching. There are no dip threes on the move. Like he's sliding to his left, looking like freaking Bogdanovich, catching it high and just flying. And it's just nothing but net. And so that versatility, we're going to get into lineups and rotations over the next uh, few pods coming up. Um, I think that that is, we talk a lot about a skeleton key uh, with LeBron and AD, or we at least we used to. I think Austin's ability to be a one or a two and Delo fits into this as well for sure. I think that just opens up a whole world of possibilities that I'm so excited for what we can do this season. There's some elements of this also that is just simply Austin's level of confidence rising where oh, he's yeah. always had this he's had the chip on the shoulder of the you guys don't know I'm an NBA player. But then he had to he had to cross all of those rivers that, that you referred to, Pete, and whether that was a first-round guy in front of him or a vet guy in front of him or a guy with more salary. And he might have thought, yeah, I can go at this guy. But then it just builds to the point where when you know that you can do it in the Western Conference Finals and not lose efficiency, and then you get picked for Team USA, it's just such a big vote of confidence. Then you get to Team USA practice. And, you know, we're not privy to watch these, but they do let reporters in to a greater extent there. And so there's been some guys like Brian Windhorse has been over there and and just talking about how Austin is the talk of the town. And then um, I was at a wedding this weekend. Shout out to uh, Jesse Buss and his uh, That's his right. Congratulations. Bride. And a lot of uh, – shout out to Sarah, of course, his lovely bride. And there were a lot of um, basketball people there. And, you know, a lot of people who know stuff and a lot of people who talk to people and a lot of people who watch stuff. And and just like what Windhorse was saying, I just kind of kept not me bringing it up necessarily, just kind of kept hearing, hey, you, you hear what Austin's just killing dudes in practice? We've talked so much about how so much of player success in the NBA is about like fit and role and scheme. And those are things that I think too often we take for granted, like we just expect a player to like, oh, you're good, then you should be good anywhere. And like, that's true for like the LeBron Jameses and Anthony Davises of the world. It's it's less true for players who are sort of the role player type or the guys who are even like stars, but they need things catered to them in a certain way or a right scheme can unlock parts of their game. But the thing that I don't think gets talked about often enough is like how how much NBA players can actually doubt themselves and, and how mm. that can be amplified in ways by what your coaches are telling you are your strengths and what they steer you towards in terms of what you should be doing on the basketball court and how if you get out of your lane a little bit, you get reined back in. Well, D, even a guy like Austin, the league told him coming into the league what they thought of him, right? Supposedly yeah. he had an offer from Detroit in the 40s, but he went undrafted, right? And so that plays into it. That's like the foundation of it even. Well, also too, it's just like making your way and knowing what 
thinking you know what you can and can't do, and then how that fits into what is envisioned for you as as a role and trying to blend it all in order to then be the best version of yourself on any given possession. And so it's not necessarily always confidence, but it is a confidence in yourself within the context of what your ask is and wanting to be the right kind of teammate, right? And so I think that 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 played into a lot of the stuff that we saw with Austin in terms of like, oh, why aren't you shooting there? Like, right. why are you what? Like, why are you swinging the ball there, or why are you putting the ball on the floor to drive and kick when you had the open play, and and on and on and on. But as opportunities opened up for him, and the coaches allowed him to do more, and then doing more. When doing more, he was successful at doing more. That only shows him like, oh, well, I can do this. And the coaches are letting me do this. And my teammates trust me to do this. And then, Mike, what you were saying, which is like, oh, now it's like Western Conference Finals run. And now it's being picked for Team USA. And now it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing well in practice and I'm getting game op opportunities. And it's just like, oh, Slovenia, I've got you. Or Germany, I'm doing this. All of these are stepping stones to just being a better player. And when we talked about Austin, Mike, a few weeks ago in the lead up to before there was even an initial scrimmage, we talked about this potentially being a springboard. And I think now that's proving true. Like no matter what happens, in the world championship, I think Austin has set himself up now to be an even more improved player. And that confidence piece of it all coming together for him, that self-belief combined with belief from outsiders, because that's what fuels confidence as well. It's like everyone else believes in me too. And that can be a bit of a superpower, just like them not believing in you can take that that away. And and so I'm, I'm just thrilled for where Austin's at developmentally. Can we switch the attention real quick to the defensive end before we move on? I love that he's playing for Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is a switching coach. And whether or not Austin can switch, I think, is a big question for us in terms of like high-level playoff basketball. And like it means a lot. If Austin can do that, it would be greatly impactful. We'll get into more of the details as the year goes on. He was battling against Germany, Mike, and he's done this in a few of these games where he's got a big on him and the way he's going to lose some of these battles, right? But I've been so impressed by his ability to switch, uh, to box guys out. Again, there's certain, like he had this box out attempt against Bonga. Shot goes up on the left side of the court. He's guarding Bonga on the weak side. Austin's not even looking at the shot or the basket. Once the ball goes up, He's got to track Bonga, put a body on him, and Bonga's trying to get around him. And Bonga's like 6'9 with long arms. Not a real good leaper, but definitely physical advantage against Austin there, right? Ball hits the back of the rim, bounces 20 feet in the air. You know, one of those that just hits the back of the rim perfectly and goes way up high. Austin's got no shot on that once it gets to that side of the floor. Bonga's going to get that ball. But on Several other plays. He's boxing guys under. He's, you know, putting a body on somebody in a way where once the help comes over, he's held his ground for long enough, which is what you really need a guy like that to be able to do. And one of the things I'm excited about with this year's team 
And I don't know if you've seen pictures of Rui, but Rui is slimmer. I don't know. I think there's some clues that maybe he's going to play some more three there, I think. Um, but I think the ability to switch with this year's team, Mike, is going to be one of the storylines on the court that we talk about this season. And watching watching Austin kick ass on defense as much as he has been on offense, I'm really excited about that. There was a play that I think was against Daniel Tice. Uh, of course, we know as a, an NBA player who – um, his role has been diminished a little bit the last couple of years, but Austin got stuck on a switch and he, instead of some guys, when they get in a switch like that, they'll either bail out or they'll make like a half-hearted effort. And half mm-hmm. of the battle defensively is knowing what you're supposed to do defensively in that case. And then just trying to execute it. And yep. even if you don't, you know, you don't go over and block the shot like uh Jaron Jackson Jr. Might do from the weak side. Just keeping your body engaged, and he Austin went up with ver- with verticality and just kind of bumped Tice, and he missed a layup. Yep, and that's it. Like that's what you can switch. I guess it would be my point. And if you're, it's also this is where Austin being closer to six five, you know, as opposed to a smaller guard matters too, because he's at least enough to deter from a way that the path to the basket looks like, uh, and where is a guy is not going to just see a big stake there. Uh, when they're about to back down so that uh, I think Pete it's a really astute observation and it's something that I think is going to be interesting to bring up to Darvin Ham in the context of this drop scheme and Anthony Davis and Mm -hmm. we'll see who uh, if they bring in another center that's more of a drop versus if they bring in a guy you know that doesn't do that as much but uh, the fact that like I'll put it I'll put it this way I guess to close out my Austin thought he is a he's so good offensively and and the dynamism kind of continues to increase there but he wouldn't have his outstanding net ratings from the last couple of years if he wasn't at least a, a solid defender as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's the same kind of thing where you look at him. He doesn't seem like he's necessarily going to be the biggest deterrent, but he's just smart and he's going to put his body on the line and he's going to battle. Uh, and he's athletic enough to have an impact there. So he's not the one in a playoff series that I'm thinking, all right, got to get this guy off the floor. Uh, there's, there's not a matchup that I see that it, that I'm going to feel like he's got to get pulled off and that in its own right is a major value. Yes. But it, and since he can then play one and two and since he can spot up and since he can be on the ball, that allows you to be more creative with who the partner is for him. Cause like, yep, just plug him in just like you do with LeBron and AD. And then you can match up hunts and play more defense if you need to in the spot next to him. Let's go to break here real quick. And then when we come out, I want to make one more point about Austin and then we'll transition. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. 
Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Pete, I think your point about switching is, is a good one. The thing that is most important to me when it comes to switching when you're a guard is like how how willing are you to compete and just stick your nose in there? And that's never yeah. been a concern for me with well, with Austin. Is He had another possession. I think it was against Germany. Um, and he got switched onto a big. He stood in there, took a couple of shoulder bumps. Guy turned over his left shoulder to get up a little turnaround jumper, and Austin stripped him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there's a certain amount of are you willing to compete defensively that is going to separate you from i don't know man like a good 20 to 30 percent of the league that really only cares about one side of the ball steph is the best example of this to me because steph is in the same mold of so many other like on ball or or just like high usage like we need you on offense guards that are in the league that the league has skewed towards yeah this James Harden is in that mold and Luka Doncic is in that mold Trae and Trey Young is in that mold. And, and there's you can go on and on and on down the line of players who it's just like we rely on you offensively. And even like six men of the year type guys like Jordan Poole and Jordan Clarkson. And there's all kinds of guys who make their hay as being like, go score us points. And incidentally, not my favorite uh designation of a player. No, totally. My, well, I think that once you transition into the guy, though, who says, well, guess what? I have to be that guy who's going to go get us buckets, but I'm also going to be the guy who doesn't give in defensively. Those guys then start to become your favorites, Mike, because those are the guys where you don't have to take them off the court at the end of a playoff game. They are the guys whose net ratings start to soar, and they are playing winning basketball. And yep. There's this argument that's that's online and it's been online for probably like, I don't know, three or four months, which is like, oh, who's better between Austin Reeves and Jordan Poole or and like that class of player. Right. And you can have your favorites. I honestly don't care. But one of the things that stands out to me about comps like that is, well, which guy competes on defense? Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's the guy I want. I want the guy that's going to compete on defense. And Austin is that sort of player. And so. Switching is going to be a tricky thing sometimes. There are guys who are going to bowl over him. And it's not just switching on to bigs. To me, it's like switching on to like dynamic wings. Aaron like, Gordon. Oh, yeah, that's suddenly, a bigger problem. That's a different yes. and bigger problem than a floor bound, you know, big yes. that's like 250, right? You know, like, yeah, he's strong, but he's not jumping 12 feet in the air. Because to me, like, that's where you have to be able to hold up some. It's just like, it's 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 one thing to be like, oh, well, I got put in a pick and roll and now I have to defend this big guy and big guys are a little bit less skilled and they could do this, this, that, and the other. But it's another thing when they're like, hey, Jason Tatum is hunting you or Luka Doncic is hunting you. So it's a great point, but I don't know that there is a guard, period, that that the the best of the biggest wings can't handle what LeBron and Aaron Gordon and, and even Tatum with the size like that's those guys are are going to be able to convert uh, against anybody that's under six five. 
Agree with that 100%. And that's where I go back to my point about like, well, are you going to compete? Right? Because I see some of these guards and they're just like, ah, we'll get it back on the other end. And Austin is the type that will be like, hey, my shot wasn't falling tonight because I gave it all I had on defense. Yep. Right? And that that sort of player is the archetype of of a guy that I want on a team that I root for. And then when you add in all of the offensive stuff that that we highlighted earlier, that's where I'm just like, hey, man, like this dude is he's ready. He's ready. And it's a great thing to see. Look, you describe a two way guard like that. That's highly efficient on one end, can play the one or the two and defends well, like the amount of money that you would pay that player if we were just talking like conceptually describing him on paper is a lot more than the contract that Austin signed this season, right? And so one of the ways that teams get to a championship is via finding value in different places. And that's in, to me in a, in a league where like grown men criteria is about lottery protected first seven years away. Austin Reeves on that kind of contract, the value of that is just massive. And it allows us to do, I think, a lot of things both now and going forward. One of the other places where the Lakers, I think, have been really good at unearthing some value has been on second draft type of players. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish kind of as a package deal. They're two guys I've been kind of thinking about over the course of this uh, when I was on the break. I think they are going to be responsible for a good deal of the athleticism that this team can have. Because one of the things I'm concerned about about this Lakers squad is we've got these skill guys, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent. I really like all three of those players. I think collectively, though, there's sort of an athleticism deficit where we went from watching Aaron Gordon picking on our guards in the Western Conference Finals to him doing the same thing athletically under the basket on switches, right, against Gabe Vincent in the finals. And I feel like if you want to win a championship, which is obviously the goal this year, you're always going to run into a team that's kind of this physical, try to kick your ass kind of squad. And I want us to be able to to hang with them. And I think that guys like Reddish and Hayes in particular are a key to they might might not be in every single series. I don't think that Reddish probably starts in the rotation. We can even throw Max into this conversation a bit, I think, in terms of providing the athleticism on this upcoming team. Um, but those are two guys in Reddish and Hayes where I'm super curious to see them in the role, the roles that they're going to be in, Hayes in particular. So, Mike, let's start on him, man. What are your thoughts on Jackson Hayes? Well, I'm going to get to the to Jackson Hayes in a roundabout way, uh, but because as I'm that's what we do on here, way, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, let me not answer your question directly, but make the point I want to make, <laughs> right? And then and then get into uh, get into it, so I can try to put context behind it, and hopefully we all grow as a result. Um, I know I do. I mm-hmm. the way that you describe Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish. Uh, so first of all, agree, right? Like 23 years old. High lottery pick, um, some talent for sure, but have not had the. I just talked about like Austin Reeves' net rating success. It has not been that way, right? For Jackson Hayes and Cameron, they have not had the success of making their teams better on the court. And there are reasons why, some not at any fault of theirs, uh, some just because the players they're playing with, and also just because they've been young. Uh, and and that's that's a part of all this as well. But you know, when I looked at the roster and Darius and I got touched on some of this conversation. 
that whole there's that hole to me and it's not just like the backup big like somebody else you can trust behind the uh, ad and then even lebron is like a secondary center but it's just somebody big and powerful and athletic and i i don't know that that player is is just on the roster and how can that type of player be acquired to make like a real run is that the spot and so that's that's one piece of this and the second in the schedule article it's not super related to the schedule but i always like to just take a quick Here's here's what the rotation looks like, because no matter what the schedule is, it's going to how your team looks is going to make a difference. It's either going to look easier or harder based on the talent of the roster. And so I've got Max plugged in at that backup spot in the two guard, like behind Austin. Reddish to me slots more as like a as a wing, like a three uh, behind Vanderbilt and Prince. And I know you guys had the Rui and the Vanderbilt combo. But when you were talking about D'Angelo and Austin uh, and even Gabe Vincent, that's to me almost more why I need Vanderbilt to start uh, for that athleticism mm. on the perimeter and for like for his energy and all that to kind of make up for a little bit of that deficit. Um, and then Rui is going to be playing the bigger minutes anyway, kind of when you're when you're to your optimal lineup. But so that's one part of this. And so now to get back to Hayes, it's it's all right. So what? What is it that he is good at? Uh, what is what are the things that you want him doing? Uh, not just on on offense, but like certainly on defense. Can he approximate the things that AD does, even a little bit? Uh, and and that's the part where I I sort of need to see it. Uh, and I'm I didn't really answer the hay as part of it. I, I wanted to almost set the table a little bit more for Darius. Uh, and then Pete, get your thought because I, I know that you've been thinking about this specifically. Hayes is an interesting player to me, Pete, because. The Lakers sort of need him right now. Yes. And I'm not sure if you want to be in the business of I need Jackson Hayes I do not. to be good. Although I'm bullish on what he can do. I, like We'll talk sure. more. I think, it, I think it's going to work out, yes. but I'm right there with you on that. Yeah, it's it's sort of like you'd much rather second draft guys are normally like flyer guys. Like Malik Monk signed for the minimum. Right. And I think we had higher expectations for what Malik Monk could be than Jackson Hayes. But it's like both Hayes and Cam come into Troy this. Brown was solid in that spot last year as it was yes. his third team. But like, yeah, yes. Brown to me was a guy though, where he had no pedigree. <laughs> like I hate to say it about Troy Brown, like, but it's just like when we talk about like Hayes and Cam, especially Cam was like the top high school player in in his draft, there st- I talked about this a lot, but there are still guys from his draft class that are like, Cav, Cav is that dude, right? And so when I look at Cam and I look at Hayes, like Hayes went to Texas, right? There was like this lineage of like Texas big guys who can kind of play and play a certain style and get up and down the court and finish inside and dunk. And Hayes has like not been that dude, especially like defensively. I'm with Mike in the point that Mike is making in that I think what you really need from Hayes in terms of that athleticism that you're talking about, Pete, is more from a defensive side. Like, I'm super intrigued by him being able to catch some lobs and run and dunk and, and be like a rim running threat and and a lob threat, quasi like what JaVale and Dwight did. Just mm-hmm. get up and down the floor, run hard, almost like Thomas Bryant did, but like but be an above the rim player. But they're going to need him to leverage that speed and quickness and leaping ability defensively. And if he's making too many mistakes on defense, he shouldn't play. He shouldn't play. 
And this is where my concern comes in with him is there is an aptitude that you need to have defensively. And I'm not sure if he has that, that that's the show me part. One of the reasons I brought up Austin switching earlier is because Hayes ties into this point. I think he's a better switcher than he is a drop coverage type of guy. And that's one of the things that in chewing on this roster and and all of that, I'm realizing like we have a lot of guys that kind of do this, but in a system where at least last year, very drop coverage heavy throughout. And we like, we would switch for sure, but it wasn't something that we did a whole lot. And so the point about the decision-making that you just made Darius, that the big has to have at that. And now mind you, he played in a lot of two big lineups, although I would, I would wonder if you asked a, a Pelicans fan if the reason that he played in two big lineups is because he's really nimble. So this athleticism that he has allows him to kind of stay with guys on the perimeter in ways that's conducive for a big man to be able to switch. But at that five spot, if you're not reading the, should I hedge a little bit higher and contest the shot, or should I drop back and knock away the potential lob threat, if you're not reading that correctly in real time, it doesn't matter how athletic you are, you're in the wrong spot right now every once in a while or certain circumstances the amazing speed and athleticism and leaping ability will you can recover that's one of the things about athleticism is that you can be like oh crap i stepped the wrong direction i need to go the other way you can do that a lot better than somebody with with less athleticism but at that spot in particular mike if you're making the wrong decision then that you know you you can be in some trouble and so that to me is one of the storylines with hayes is how do we use them defensively and I think this is where I'll, I want to get to the positive side of this or the good news for the Lakers overall is that since the continuity is so good relative to the previous couple of years, they're going to find out if Hayes can fit into that spot right away because everything else is should be relatively smooth with how they play. Should be the same starting lineup. I don't think anybody's that worried about Vincent, you know, being able to come in and play. Right. Like we all know that Prince can play, you know, and can kind of hang. So if you're if you're the odd guy out of that group, uh, then they're going to know and then they're going to have to do something about it. And but then from the optimistic perspective for Hayes, that's a pretty good opportunity uh, to come into where you, you know, a team like this would you would usually have somebody else. And maybe, by the way, they will sign another big. In fact, they almost have to. Right. They currently have 13 guys in the roster, um, whether it's a, a big that we haven't talked about yet or even like a guy like Wenyan, who's had his. I know we all like, right? It's a, it's a very mm-hmm. pro um, Wenyan podcast here. But Jackson Hayes right now has this opportunity to show um, to show what he can do and to show that if he's put into a more reasonable system and just asked to do the things that, that in theory he should be able to do better, that he can do well. And maybe he will. I think his offensive fit, D, is amazing. Like, yes. If – I, I see I picture LeBron and D'Angelo Russell like rubbing their hands together like supervillains of all the things that they could do with Jackson. Birdman. Hayes, right. They got the like, Birdman hand rub. Absolutely. That's man, that's something where a lot of times over the, the LeBron and A D era, the early second quarter has b- belonged to LeBron. Like A D will go out in his first year with us, he would play the whole first quarter. And it's kind of varied a little bit, but he LeBron normally goes out at the six minute mark. A D comes out these days around the two or three minute mark. There are a few options within that. But the point being, the end of the first quarter and the first part of the second quarter, D, is LeBron time. And I think that he put 
if you have a, a bench group where it's D'Lo and LeBron, and I'm not saying D'Lo comes off the bench, I'm just saying he comes out earlier, kind of like when LeBron does mm-hmm. and then comes back in later. You got LeBron, D'Lo, and Jackson Hayes on the floor at the same time against NBA second units. They're going to kill those groups on offense. Yeah, there's a lot to like about the possibilities of what Hayes can do as sort of this dunker spot lingerer who is sort of just flashing into space. And that's one of the things I want to watch about him on tape when I dive in a little bit more or just see how it works out in games is what is his acumen for those slip cuts and for those relocations. Wenyon was really good at that stuff, but Wenyon, as good as an athlete as Wenyon is, like he's not in the class of Jackson Hayes. And it's more ground-based, right? Like he's agile, he can run, and he does relocate to those spots, get there quickly, but he doesn't have that vertical threat. That's right. And, and, and so I am I'm intrigued by what that that looks like. I'm not sure what to make of Cam, even though I've been someone who has been like on the Cam train. Max is Max is showing that he has the ability to step into a rotation spot to me. And that's where the pivot point of what a 10 man rotation might look like. And just on that point, like the Lakers kind of deep, kind of a deep team. Hell yeah. Right. So. So they've got a lot of players who can play. They've got a lot of players who who should expect to play. And Cam right now, as intrigued as I am, like I'm interested to see where he fits in and, and what kind of role he actually plays. Like Pete, you've talked about him as being a bit of a guard. Mike mentioned him as as a wing. Could you see him? I, and I'm not asking this this question. It's more just out there in the ether. But could you see him on the court where there's not a lot of shooting, but there's a ton of like get up and go with mm-hmm. with a group where it's just like, well, look at that. It's Austin Reeves and then Cam Reddish and LeBron James and Rui Hachimura. And it's just like, oh, my God, like there's just a ton of size and athleticism on the court everywhere. And that the prospect of stuff like that is super interesting to me, but like this is why training camp will reveal a lot about this and, and, and where guys can fit in. I'll give you a reddish thought and then Pete, you can take us home um, with I, I know you've been thinking about reddish again since you set us up with a question for this. I was listening to uh, the Kamenisky brothers uh, do the podcast over at Lockdown Lakers and they had they had uh, guys or I guess reporters from the basically the three previous stops. Um, that Redditch was at in Portland, in New York, in Atlanta. And uh, one of the through lines that I think I found has to do with Darius's whole point about Cam is this pedigree and the way that he sees himself. And he sees himself, or certainly as he was coming up, as this star, as this go-to guy, as the guy with the usage on the wing. And I think that the most important thing, forget all of the positioning and skill set, and, and it's just that if he comes in and thinks this is a team that is really solid, which is not maybe the Knicks were a little bit, but they were still kind of developing when he was there. But if he can come in and, and embrace a role that doesn't have to be this high usage thing, that's not going to be there. Um, and if he can deploy, if he can allow Darvin Ham to kind of help him to deploy in LeBron, you know, those skills in the way, then there's a lot there. Like there's stuff that can work there. But has he shown that he's that he's going to do that yet? No. Um, was he supposed to do that in Portland last year when they were when they were tanking right. uh, and they just told him, hey, go, here's the ball. Go do what you want with it. Let's see what you can do. Uh, no. You know, so I'm I'm allowing for some of that opportunity. Um, and, you know, Rui is a is a bit of a is a, a good example, I think, of how that can work uh, in some ways. But 
Pete, uh, please uh, give, give us your initial cam thoughts past the ones that you've been thinking about, at least for the last couple of months. I, I'm so glad that you set it up in that way, Mike, and that idea of like, can you embrace a role where you're not the guy? I think that um, what Cam can provide, first of all, defensively, he's an interesting defender in that he is similar to Hayes. He's a superior athlete. He's got that good positional size and athleticism where he can get into passing lanes. He can, if you want to apply ball pressure, he's got long arms and can move his feet in a way that you can have him on a smaller player. And if you need a guy, for example, I would have loved for us to be able to have a bigger athlete on Jamal Murray for more of the Denver series. And Vando's offensive problems kind of prevented that from happening more. But that's the type of guy that Murray has can have some issues against. And so Reddish is similar, right? He's not quite as big as Vando, but he's he's got some good size. And so I agree with the idea that I have Max ahead of him in terms of the potential rotation. But one of the things that I think Reddish can provide is that he does come from that. I was the guy that you gave the ball to background. Max isn't that type of player. Max has improved his ball handling, and we saw that in Summer League, but his main archetype is as a catch-and-shoot player that can dribble out of that, right? Cam was a guy that was like, he's the dude. And so I think we need one guy, aside from LeBron, that we can give the ball to that can get downhill, right? Like that a good athlete, a Bruce Brown, can't get up into his jersey. And if he does, he's going to blow past him and dunk on him. Right. And or or finish around the rim in, in some athletic manner. Right. This is something that one of the things that we did lose when when Russ left was that that type of guy that if there was ball pressure, you can you can get by him. And so it's more when we're talking about these guys at this point of the roster, kind of how they fit in with what the team needs overall. I would argue I'm so glad that the that uh, the Kamenitsky brothers had those reporters on because each, each circumstance has a very different circumstance than what the Lakers have now. And so, D, I'm super interested to see how Reddish and Hayes fits in fit into this team because yeah. I think that they can provide a dimension that is going to be essential to us getting to where we want to go. Yeah, and one last point on Cam. This is his fourth team. By the time you start to get to like that part of your career, a lot of guys shouldn't be the number one prospect no. in their class only to now be on their fourth team in five seasons or six seasons, like whatever it's been. Right. It's and, now or never. Yeah. Yeah. And I've said this a bunch about cam, but if there's a place where I think he can start to have it come together, it's on a team where LeBron James plays and where Anthony yes. Davis plays where these guys are just like you. They were the best player in their class. They were the guy and they've fulfilled it and you have not, mm -hmm. but they can be the guy who can put you under their wing a little bit and talk to you about what's what the role is. You mm -hmm. used to talk about this with Shaq is there's very few players in the league who could look at Shaq and Shaq be like you understand what it's like to be like me, mm -hmm. even if no one was really like Shaq. And you used to say this about Russ too. It's mm -hmm. it's like Russ would look around and be like, I'm better than you. Why am I going to listen to you, right? And mm -hmm. Russ was even more of that, like I've got a big chip on my shoulder. And so mm -hmm. he, he was even going to give a F you mentality to guys who he probably shouldn't, right? Like, oh, no, 100%. no, no, actually. This like, guy does you know what he's talking like about me? to some yeah, degree. Yeah. yeah, this would be yes, helpful, right? Yeah. yeah. 
And so some guys wilt under that when it comes to LeBron, especially. But other guys take that as like, oh, you see it in me and I'm going to listen to you. And I think Rui's a great example of that, right? Yeah. In terms of Hayes, I just think with big guys, you either get it or you don't. And he's an interesting test case to me about like how long it could take before you actually get it. JaVale was like this as well. I'm not necessarily comparing him to to JaVale, but JaVale had his Bambi legs to a certain extent for a long stretch of his career where it's just Mm -hmm. like, what are you doing out there, bro? Like you just don't get it in terms of like what you should be doing in terms of leveraging your tools. And it wasn't until he got into an environment where it's just like, this is the ask, man. Yep. Do this and then you'll be rewarded for doing this. And then this is your role. And I'm wondering, and if you're looking for a path for optimism with Hayes, I think that's the lane that he needs needs to be in. And I'll be interested to see if if he adapts to that. One of the things about the hyper-athletic guys, right, I'm so glad you brought JaVale up within this, is that the more athletic you are, the more you can get away with playing bad basketball. That catches up to you at the NBA level, but at lower levels, the Cam Reddishes and the JaVale McGees and the Jackson Hayes, like, they're, they're elite NBA athletes, so what they look like at... 18 against as a college freshman against college athletes or in high school and AAU, it's they can do things wrong, quote unquote, and still be just incredibly productive and sought after. Right. And this is the level of basketball where you that gets beaten out of you because there's so many guys that also fit that description that you just can't get away with that, that sort of thing. Well, this is where also to the depth of the Lakers and the opportunities and the competition level that that should inspire is what you hope will create the right environment for these guys, right? Like it's one thing when you're Cam Reddish and you get drafted and you're on a bad Atlanta team and you're like, why are these dudes in front of me? Like I should be playing anyway, Mm -hmm. right? And then you get traded to New York and they give up a first round pick and they do this. It's and, just and, like and for what it's my- worth, like he never had a chance in New York, right? Like at least that's my understanding yes. of that situation as Tibbs like watched him was like, hell no. And now there's a good chance Tibbs is right about that, right? But like sure. the whole like this is Cam's fourth team type of thing. It's like, all right, it didn't work out in Atlanta. He goes to New York. The the coach was never down with that in the first place. Maybe I have the story wrong, right? Maybe there's more to it, but that's my sure. understanding of it. And then it gets traded to a place that is tanking at the end, and he's just an expiring contract in a trade that they weren't planning on keeping. So I don't know. Like it's sometimes you got to look at the the details a little little more closely. No, one hundred percent. And from the Knicks stand standpoint, they traded a non rotation player in Kevin Knox, right? For a guy. So what did you expect Tibbs Tibbs to do? You trade out a non-rotation player. You don't free up any minutes for this guy to play. Tibbs is notorious in terms of playing guys extended minutes anyway. And you're just like, hey, let's jam a dude into the rotation (laughs) where there weren't any minutes to begin with. And Tibbs is just like, how about we don't? How about we don't? Mm -hmm. Right. Anyways, we've gone long here it's it's good to have you back pete like we can keep going and going yeah. and going i i'm sure we'll have uh plenty of other conversations on lots of other topics i, I think we're gonna start ramping back up a little bit here yeah. as we transition from august to september the laker film room podcast will populate your podcast feed a little bit more frequently and and, and so it's good to have 
you're back. It's good to be talking hoops again. With this you was now. fun and fun talking to Mike as well. He had to had to bounce a, a couple minutes ago, so that's why you don't hear him now. But uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I was very rusty, but I got my shots up. So you know, let's get uh, get back to it in a couple days. All right, y'all. Uh, good to be back. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. And Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.